Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. Hello! You're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs, which you may or may not know is all about the jobs that musicians and artists have worked, preferably ones that we love and we love the records of, and we just want more of their story. 
between making records and between making tours, basically every band you listen to probably has to do something. And I've taken it upon myself to get some of those stories to share. On today's episode, Serena Cherry of Svalbard, their latest record, When I Die Will I Get Better, which was released in COVID, we get a bit into that, is such an incredible listen. And Svalbard have been announced for next year's Arctangent Festival, where they've announced 68 Heilong, which has the potential to be the best ATG headline set ever. They're headlining the Friday. Pupil Slicer, Toki Horror, Birds in Row, The World is a Beautiful Place and I'm No Longer Afraid to Die, and Converge, who are headlining Thursday. That is a absolutely unreal lineup of Arctangent Festival. If you want to get tickets, if you want to go there, arctangent.co.uk. It is 100% rad with some brilliant energy there. Cheers for listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs. Here's Serena Cherry. Go well. Well, uh, I am the social media editor for PC Gamer and Games Radar, so I work in the games industry and I feel very lucky to work for those two brands, so we fall under future publishing. It's my first proper job that's like, I guess, more like a career. Every job I previously had before this was more kind of zero hours, um, you know, there wasn't much progression uh, in the kind of the jobs that I did. It was just a means to an end. I mean, I say that I have had, I've done loads of different things. It's just all the different things. Some of the different things I've done haven't paid well enough for me to class them as jobs. Like I have written for lots. I used to write for Terrorizer magazine. I used to do loads, loads of different writing, but it, I never, I always considered that almost the same as Svalbard, where it's just something I do because I love it. And occasionally you get like free gig tickets or a, a tiny bit of pocket money towards your expenses, but it never paid my bills or anything. Yeah. But yeah, at the moment, so I currently work here and I've been working here for six months and I am busy all the time. <laughs> so that's basically the answer to it is it's very, very hectic. I don't really have a social life anymore. I either work or do bad stuff. I don't, sadly don't get much time to to sort of just hang out and, and relax and stuff anymore, um, which is kind of the trade-off. So before I was in real kind of some some really miserable jobs uh, just to be able to pay the rent and things. And I sort of liken it now. I say I've, I've traded all my misery for stress. So I love my job now. I'm so lucky to be here and it's great. But also my to-do list just gets longer and longer and longer and longer as time goes on. So balancing it with the band, I mean, yeah, like I say, I just feel like I don't have time for anything else. So it's really weird to me when I talk to people and they're like, oh, have you seen this TV show? And I'm like, I haven't watched TV in years. No. <laughs> like, yeah. you, got, you have hours for TV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's a juggling act and there have been points where I've been like, oh my God, I'm so close to burnout. And I'm also part of the problem. I'm one of those people that likes to say yes to everything. So if there's like more stuff to t- take on at work, I'll say yes. If there's stuff like this is the thing. Being in a band does not have an equal division of labor. There are some people in bands who just turn up and play their instrument and everything else is done for them. And then there's a couple of other people in the band who are, you know, sorting vans, sorting transport, sorting logistics, booking 
um, video shoots, all the you know all the millions of other things that are involved and logistically within being in a band. And um, Liam and I are the two who deal with that side of things. So. Yeah, like people will sort of say, oh, well, you're only practicing twice a week. Bear in mind as well. Sorry, I feel like I'm ranting now. Um, Please so I- go. Yeah, honestly, this is, I'm, I'm loving this. Yeah. <laughs> I live in London and Svalbard are based in Bristol. So we rehearse on weekends and um, we've, we're working on a lot of stuff at the moment. Um, so, yeah. We're rehearsing both Saturdays and Sundays. And then once you add getting down there and back and traveling back to my house in, that is my whole weekend gone uh, every weekend. And it's insane, isn't it? Yeah. And I don't want to sound like I'm complaining because, again, like I'm I'm so like Svalbard is my passion and, and it's not like there's nothing else I'd rather be doing. But it's more just the case of I've forgotten what downtime feels like. I've forgotten what it's like to not be like rushing around all the time, which yeah. is kind of a strange, yeah. uh, strange feeling. But um, and you mentioned that you know it's it, it, even if you're not at burnout yet, you know there is that kind of crossover period, isn't there? It's come very close. It's come very close to a, to burnout at, at points, definitely. Because well, this is it. We're practicing twice a week, but then every other night. So basically. This is what my day looks like. I wake up at six. I have to, because I don't, I live like really on the outskirts of London. I don't live in a zone. Um, So it is a bit of a commute for me to get in, get my train. On my train, I do all the Svalbard emails and do all the like, and maybe something to do with Noctul, if if there is anything to do with that, and do all that kind of any logistics, any kind of planning things that need to be done. I do that on my commute in, then I get to work, and then I work. (laughs) <laughs> long hours in my day job and then I finish and then yeah it might be things like this podcast which is great and you know or all these different things sorting out video stuff or, or whatever it is or, or working on some new ideas um I mean with socials bands doesn't sleep does it no no that's the thing because I'm a social media editor in my day job and it's very uh you need it requires a lot of energy when you log off for the day and then you've got a load of Svalbard social media stuff to do, you don't have the energy for it. Like you're like, oh, I kind of don't want to look at those platforms for at least an hour. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And you're a massive gamer, aren't you? You're, yeah. you're, you're banging into Skyrim and, and different kinds of games. I mean, I'm not a gamer, so you know, I feel like I don't necessarily have the language or can articulate, but it's, it's kind of immersive games that you're into. Is that right? Yeah, I play RPGs, so at the moment I'm really into Elden Ring. I know a lot of people have already uh, completed it, but I've been trying to do every single boss, so like full completion. Um, and I was going to say, another like reason I haven't completed it yet is because I don't have the time. <laughs> so, so you can finish those games without doing all the challenges? Yeah. If you wanted to? Yeah, okay. a lot, most of the bosses are optional. I think only you only need to do six bosses to complete the game but there's like hundreds of optional bosses and, and I want to do them all so so yeah it's, there's a, it's a source of you know self-pride you know a source of uh, uh completion right yeah yeah well something I keep thinking about at the moment I keep thinking because I spend so much time on trains in and out in and out of London back to Bristol for practices that kind of thing it's like I should really get a steam deck so I can game what's on a the steam go. deck it's oh it's so i'm imagining sort of like a you know dinner dinner trolley (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a handheld gaming device but it's like a pc so it's like a if you took 
a PC that can play, you know, all sorts of PC games and then made it into something that looks a bit like a Switch, a Nintendo Switch. Uh, yeah. That's what it is, but obviously it's way more versatile, way more powerful. You can play the kind of games I like to play. <laughs> How big are we talking? Oh, they're not massive. Like, yeah, the same size as a Switch. So like handheld, same. you know, right. not very big at all. But yeah, I have been thinking, I was like, because my I haven't had enough time to game recently. And I was thinking, well, that would solve that issue if I can just get lost in a game whilst on the train. <laughs> what, what does gaming do for you? Do you find the kind of inner peace that you find in music? Is, is, there, is there a space that it just makes you happy? It, it, it settles your heart? Well, playing Elden Ring is the opposite of that. It's very hard. <laughs> it's like renownedly difficult and very stressful. So if anything, like it makes your heart race and it's very, very challenging. Um, yeah very frustrating so I wouldn't say it's peaceful for me like the types of games I play but I would say it's very immersive um yeah. Yeah. and uh just I like being in those fantasy worlds like how Skyrim looks is what the inside of my brain looks like so it's it's being the the creativity and the kind of high fantasy element the soundtracks like everything about it is a world I want to exist in. Uh, I want to exist with dragons. So that's why I game. <laughs> I mean, we live in a pretty exciting generation for games, right? I mean, this is the most developed they've ever been. Um, you know, and it just seems so exciting. I feel like you look, if you're a gamer and then you dip out for a year, you're going to come back and it's going to be a whole new language. Oh, definitely. It's constantly evolving. And yeah, the acceleration with which it's evolving at the moment is very, very rapid. So uh, there's a lot to keep up with, but there's always great new things to, to look forward to. So it's good. What's like really making you excited now? I mean, working at PC Gamer, you know, you, you're, you're going to hear sort of rumours about things happening. I'm not asking you to tell, you know, secret <laughs> stuff now, but you know, is there any stuff that really makes you stoked? Oh, that's uh, that's quite a tough question. Um, is it all, it's just there's already, all, like there must be so many cogs spinning all the time. There's, yeah, there's so many like new things and exciting like changes and it would be hard to pick just one and it would also be hard to pick some exciting new things without <laughs> revealing things that should not be revealed. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I'm going to tread yeah. carefully on that one. <laughs> Does it, you know, having written for Terrorizer and doing those jobs where, you know, actually you might be working harder at those jobs than you are on the jobs that you're being paid for that's a very well-trodden path of a lot of people playing in bands a lot of zine writers a lot of blog writers and people who are just so excited about music you know like like me like 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 lots of people who you know are just so stoked on music that they need to do something about it is it quite interesting that that feeling that you had for playing games you've been able to take that opportunity make your own luck perhaps in getting a full-time job at pc gamer well how it began was uh i i've written for lots of different music publications and one of them is kerrang and kerrang were looking for a games columnist and they asked me because I was their resident nerd. Um, so I, before I worked for PC Gamer and Games Radar, um, 
I was writing a games column for Kerrang. It was nice to have something to show people in the games industry, like this is what I can do in terms of writing about games. So that definitely uh, opened a lot of doors for me. So it's weird how being involved in music sort of opened a pathway for me to work in the games industry. Often the way, you know, you you do things and you don't connect that that's going to open up a door down the road. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I think that's really the importance. I think, you know, I think a lot of people struggle now with being able to do whatever they want at uni, being told you can do whatever you want to do, you can travel the world, you can do everything. And then actually kind of like owning it down to, um, you know, bringing that down to a vision is, is one of the hardest things, I think. And, and I think a lot of people, um, myself included, I, I, every now and then I'll be like, fuck, you know, I don't want to do that because I, I have to make the choice between one or two things without being able to see the future. You know, I can't yeah. see too far in the future. That's something that, that you struggled with before getting the Kerrang! job. How it always worked for me up until having this job now was I chose music and I chose being in a band and that was the thing that nourished my soul and my creativity and I would choose that regardless of money but not coming from a privileged background or even like I don't have a family home that I can go back to or anything like I've always since being at uni I have had to pay to put a roof over my head so the pressure of that just meant that I basically took minimum wage uh, often zero hours jobs and just worked and worked and worked (laughs) in those jobs when I wasn't touring or playing shows or doing band stuff just to be able to afford to do it but I'm like the choice had been made a long time ago like it was almost such a no-brainer for me that music was so important to me that it was just I had to follow my heart and do it but I think I was also very realistic in that I know you just can't really make a proper living from music in this day and age anymore if you'd said to me this is the first job that I'm in now that I have chosen that I have been like this is where I want to be and this is what I want to be working in all my previous jobs were like yeah retail just anything you know supermarket whatever like I would just take anything that I could and work at it and like I stuck in some of those jobs for a really long time um (laughs) I worked in a post office for like five years it was great (laughs) five years a long time what were you doing at the post office um so I was like a counter assistant but yeah like counting the money counting the dosh no 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 like counter services so like when counter all the different things so when people come up to the counter you'd be doing their passport applications you'd be doing their mail their bills their bureau de change all those different things it was very like (laughs) jack of all trades and um yeah and it was nice some french yeah (laughs) well it was nice because um we had a lot of local businesses in the area and they obviously all do their posting of the things they sell on Etsy and whatnot and, and some little record labels as well who'd be posting yeah. their records. And you just got to know all these like small independent businesses that you probably wouldn't have been aware of that are like down the road from you. So that's nice. post office is not without its merits. When you got that Kerrang job, was, was that like a you know, for, for, for thousands and thousands of people, that's a dream come true, right? That's a, that's a dream job working at Kerrang. You know, we all grew up reading Kerrang. How, how, did, how did that work? How did that start? So with Kerrang, I wrote a games column for them, but that's, that, that, it was just one column, like as in one, you know, every issue, every month. It wasn't, again, right. 
not enough. I wasn't like a staff writer being paid a monthly wage. I was being paid per column and stuff like that. Um, Did you approach them and say, and like say, look, I want to write this? They asked me because before before this, I had written some music stuff for them as well. Like uh, I reviewed the Fellowship album for them and and uh, wrote some other bits and bobs. I think I wrote something for International Women's Day for them a couple of years ago. So just, yeah, a few like... Because I'd done so many, I'd written for like Metal Hammer, Metal Sucks, Terrorizer, Iron Fist, all these different places. It's always just been a kind of as and when thing. Um, Terrorizer was the only one where I was like writing lots of features every month for them in the magazine. But uh, with Kerrang, I'd sort of done bits and pieces for them for, for quite a few years. I think the first thing I did for them was a music, like a new music column which was like a guest thing. It was just a one-off. And then various bits and pieces came by. But then with the with the games column, they wanted it to be a regular feature. And they asked me. So it was, it was such a no-brainer. It was like, yes, in capital letters, response. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Happy reward. A lot of the time, I feel like I'm living a double life. I feel like I have my my normal working day life, which is either here where I work now or previously, yeah, like retail, supermarkets, post office. And every time I start those jobs, I don't tell anyone that I'm in a band. Right. Um, <laughs> because I've noticed if you say in an interview, I'm in a band, they go, oh, cool, we won't hire you because you'll need months off for touring, which is, you know, not incorrect, is it? Yeah. So uh, I just keep that to myself, like, you know, yeah. um, pray they don't find out. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I always sort of feel like I've had a bit of a double life because, I'll, yeah, I'll have my, my regular working life that pays the bills and then with music, it's like, that's that's the other side of it. And band life is going to go up and down when you've got an album that you're about, that it's about to come out, you're going to be playing tour, you're playing tours and playing gigs. Same for, you know, six months after that. Do you, do you think you've been able to kind of manage that and be able to kind of have, have some strategy behind it, you know, where you feel comfortable in the, the cycle, I suppose? Um, I think it's always changing. So I don't think anyone who plays in a band ever feels fully 100% comfortable. I just don't think that's possible. It's too unpredictable. It's by its the very nature of it, the music industry touring, you know, touring, you are in a constant state of flux. You are, you're liminal, <laughs> you're liminal for a month. <laughs> like it's, uh, which is kind of a crazy thing to think about. Um, and like, yeah, all the other sort of different logistical stuff that have gone through it. Uh, like recently the complications to do with touring and Brexit have been a bit of a, you know, you just, you become an expert in legislation of, uh, visa documents and, and whatnot like that which is completely the opposite of writing music um so I think yeah in terms of like the balancing act I mean like at the moment I've just had to kind of stop looking ahead too far like I just go right well what is the plan for this week 
and this month and can I get it all done in this week and this month? Probably not, but I'll try um, and then we'll see how it goes. But yeah, it's kind of, I think what really threw us off as a band, and I'm sure this happened to a lot of bands in uh, recent times, is the pandemic um, where all touring and everything suddenly coming to a halt and all your plans like just being completely up in the air. I think you lose your rhythm, <laughs> no pun intended, of, of kind of, yeah, like working together and touring and writing and you're kind of in this rhythm and then you've had such a long break when it comes back to it. It's kind of the, the wheels need a bit of greasing for it to feel natural again. Did you spend that time away being able to recalibrate and, and restock a, a, a kind of vision of where you want to go with Svalbard? Uh, no, I just wrote a solo album. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah, I, I wrote my my solo black metal record, um, Wretched Abyss. Uh, yeah, and uh, with Svalbard, we just sort of, you know, we released When I Die Will I Get Better, which we were lucky we recorded that just before, like, the lockdown and everything hit. So we were lucky yeah. that we managed to get that all together and, and we could release it during um, the lockdown in 2020. Um, yeah. But yeah, in terms of like, obviously gigging was out of the question and because we live in different areas and, and you couldn't really leave your house, we didn't rehearse, like we didn't really, because we do a lot in the room together, that's how we work with Svalbard, we all kind of vibe off of each other, we don't sit there in front of a computer sending each other logic files, that's just not how we how we operate. So Svalbard did, you know, it, it sort of, which feels weird because we released our big, our most, you know, well-received album during this time. But it was also the time when we were the least active. So it's kind of a strange thing to think about. It's interesting. We all had so many, so much time to listen to records. And, to, you know, whereas, you know, you might have listened to a record once or twice on your commute to work. You'd have time to listen to it five times. Well, it's it's weird. I found myself like romanticizing lockdown the other day <laughs> because yeah, I didn't have a job. I was I lost my I had like a zero hours um, job before that, and I lost it because the place wasn't allowed to open, um, and they just got rid of everyone who wasn't on the contract, which is what a lot of companies did. You know, it's just the way it goes. But um, yeah, so like all I did was play music and organize my magic the gathering decks and like and i had time to play games like i replayed skyrim and oh my god it, like now or like you could go for a walk you could go for like a two-hour walk it was oh my god and yeah i think i think back to that now and i'm like wow i can't i can't imagine what that feels like now yeah i mean it's actually quite scary really isn't it yeah Thank you so much, Serena, for, for those stories. It's, it's brilliant. And, you know, I think the thing that makes me really positive about this is that you've kept on working and doing what you enjoy and, and you've carved out your own space. You know, that's, that's an inspirational thing, even though, you, you know, maybe extremely busy and, you know, maybe not have too much time to evaluate. But, I mean, I mean what kind of advice would you give to folk who are maybe on a first or second album they know that, you know, every tour is maybe losing their job. Yeah, what advice do you think you could give those type of that type of person? This is really boring. Uh, this is this is this is a working class girl speaking right now. Really, really watch your money. So I don't drink alcohol and when I go out, if I'm like getting food or whatever, it's always tap water, things like that. You'd be amazed how much money you can spend by not buying drinks in places, yeah. things like that, just anywhere. 
buy your clothes from charity shops, that kind of thing, like anywhere where you can cut any other outgoings down, um, take those chances so that if you need to leave your job to go on tour, then at least hopefully, you know, you might have managed to save a little bit of money or to, to cover the next month's rent or something like that. Like it's, it's really sort of boring practical advice, but just, yeah, money is your enabler. If you can't think about it that way, like in the sense of you can say yes to more tours um, and things like that if you don't have to worry about, well, if, if I quit this job, how will I do? I mean, this is the thing I'm saying all this, like it's not the most stressful thing in the world. I absolutely know that it, that it is. Like yeah. it's, it's very, very, very difficult. Or yeah, I would say maybe um, try and fi- figure out what jobs would really... Um, work in terms of band life so like waitressing serving they're quite flexible with taking time off and things like that like you could swap shifts and Mm -hmm. stuff like that so those would be your kind of jobs to to look for um and then hopefully you can kind of um yeah uh but i would i would also be like if you're if if you really want to like be in a band and, and that's kind of the dream for you, I would be like, really focus on how to make your music as unique and captivating as possible. Don't just like make music for the sake of it. Don't treat music like content. Um, and if it takes you way, way longer, you know, I think there's a lot of thing at the moment of almost like a race to just keep releasing new stuff, but it's not it's not actually a race and quality will always speak over quantity. So even if it takes you like four years to make a great album, that's far more important than making three albums in the same amount of time that aren't as good. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Great stuff. One last question. Have you had any, I mean, I've been kind of the king of gaffes at lots of my jobs working at the bar and working, doing service. I used to smash plates and glasses all the time kind of runs in my family my mum was telling me the other day that she always used to drop stuff serving and you know and it made me think you know I've got this I know this one guy who was I mean and it's a bit more serious this one actually it, he was chopping down a tree and it fell on someone's car <gasps> and totally wrote it off so I mean that that's got a bit of a time about five years before you can start laughing about it right <laughs> but you know have you, I, I like asking people if about their work gaffes and like <laughs> you know the kind of the funny mistakes that you can laugh about now but perhaps you might have been crying when it happened I've is got, anything stick out I've got two one is quite funny so my f- one of my first ever jobs was working in a record shop but like not a cool one like one that used to be Virgin Megastore and then kind of got bought out by Zavi and then it got bought out by another company and they called themselves independent but they you know it was a loose sense of the word we used to, it was one of those big ones, like big shops, and we used to do um, in-store performances. And me being like the person that knew where the wires went was put in charge of like, you know, setting up the PA and, and, and organising everything to do with these in-store events. And we had the singer from Phantom of the Opera, John Owen Jones, absolutely beautiful voice coming to do an in-store and all these people there to see him and uh, I set the PA up wrong and it didn't work and he was he was <laughs> muted for the whole time but 
the, the, the joy was he's obviously like got such a big, great voice anyway. It didn't matter. Every, you know, he just sang a bit louder and everyone loved it. And <laughs> Brilliant. Great to hear. Great to hear. Saved you. Just, Saved you. Yeah, just kind of like trundled through. But I just remember us exchanging looks when we realised like this, that microphone isn't on, is it? Like that isn't working. Nothing's coming out of the speakers. That is hilarious. So that was hey, all is well that ends well. Yeah, exactly. And then I had a good one at the post office where oh, yeah. I was doing the Bureau de Change and we you like buy back money from people when they come back from their holidays and they got money left over. And uh, I processed this type of currency as a different type of currency by accident because they sounded really, really similar oh, and accidentally no. gave the person like £500 where it should have been 50 So they had a very good day. <laughs> wow I, my initial thought was there was fuck the next one was great the third one was like, oh my god oh, so what happened did you have to kind of apologize how does it work when things like that happen because human error must be accounted for in every got, business no it got docked from my pay oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm so sorry so that was a very expensive mistake <laughs> Serena, that's fantastic. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I hope I hope it sort of revol- resolved itself in a few months. Oh, it's all in the past now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let there anymore. <laughs> Thank you so much. Arctangent is next year. That's yeah. coming up. That's is that always an exciting festival for you? Oh, we love going back to Arctangent. It's going to be the third time for us there, so it Brilliant. kind of feels like home. Um, always such a great lineup. So yeah, it's a real privilege for us to to play up tangent and i just can't wait to see all the other bands as well so the lineup stacked definitely it's going to be an awesome weekend and we got 2000 trees as well we've got yeah. lots to look forward to brilliant yeah awesome <laughs> that serena thank you so much that was ace oh thank you i had a great time it was really fun talking to you thank you so there was serena cherry of svalbard if you like me and you're desperate to go to Arctangent Festival next year, arctangent.co.uk is the place to get your tickets. That lineup is just absolutely unreal. 68, Heilung, Pupil Slicer, Toki Horror, Birds in Row, The World is a Beautiful Place and I'm No Longer Afraid to Die, and Converge! Fucking Converge! All right, see you at Arctangent. But before then, next week for a new episode. Cheers! Here's Cox Barra. I've been working all day for me mate on the side Running around like a blue ass fly I've been working, yeah I've been working all day for me mate Every blink minute I've been on the go Up and down the ladder like a fiddler's elbow I've been working, yeah I've been working all day for me mate This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. 
My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com